Appreciate you. Church of the Warm Heart, good morning. Great to have you on this beautiful Sunday morning. My name is Michael Beneshek. I'm one of your Warm Heart pastors, and, and it's just a blessing to have each and every one of you here with us today. And if you're watching us online, hello, wherever you may be watching from, whatever day it is, we are blessed to have you with us, and we pray that you find a blessing in today's service, for we are certainly blessed to have you. Uh, y'all found parking? That's good. Uh, might have been challenging. They still got Idaho Street all, all wrapped up here. Um, big, old, big old couple of mounds of dirt. Uh, I won't say which one of my kids, but my 20-year-old, uh, just couple, he was here a couple of weeks back, said, Dad, can I, can I go climb on that thing? And 
dude, you're 20. Like, I used to do that when you're seven. He goes, so I don't have to ask? I'm like, no. It does look like fun. Maybe I'll go, go, go with you. Awesome. If you're ready to sing, I'm ready to sing. Band, are you ready to sing? All right, let's stand and sing our opening songs of worship. Blessed be your name, and I need you every hour.
Take a moment to greet those around us in Christian love. Thanks to those who faithfully participate to the giving to this church and this ministries. You make love happen. And every now and then we ask Don to come on up. Don gives just the briefest of, of, of financial reports, but I think he has another word to say today as well. Thank you, Don. Everyone say hi, Don. I think I owe everybody in this congregation an apology. There are so many faces that I don't know, and I, that's my fault for not coming to your service more. I used to know everybody in both services, not so much anymore, so I promise I will change that. And it's good to see new faces because that's what we we need to grow this church. And this morning, I think I counted almost 20 kids in that that came for children's time, and I didn't know hardly any of them. So that's that's good. That's that means that our church is growing and that's that's a good thing. For those of you who don't know me, I am your stewardship chairman. And what that means is that I try to keep you financially uh, uh, updated on what's going on in the church and how we stand financially. And I'm here today to do that, to tell you how we stand after two months. Now, I want to tell you that I've been in Texas for the last 11 days. And I've been around my friends and family. And when I'm down there that long, I start to sound a little rednecky. So if uh, you don't understand something I say this morning... Ask Lisa. She'll explain it to you. Some southern expressions might come out in my talk this morning. So after two months, it's estimated that we will be about $4,000 in the black, which is, that's very great at this time of the year. But the situation is not all high cotton. Our trustees have discovered that we need to repair the roof part of the roof in this building. This building's over 70 years old and we still have most of the original roof. The education wing and the narthex need to be repaired. And they need to be repaired sooner than later. We don't want the kids in the Sunday school have to walk around buckets catching water while they're trying to learn about God. And we don't want you as you come in the narthex here to have to go through raindrops. 
So, we got to fix the roof. Have you priced a roof job lately? Not cheap. We have estimates, and the Ad Council has approved $54,000 for this project. The education wing will go first, got to take care of the kiddos first, and then we'll do the Northex as soon as the weather allows and they finish the project on Idaho Street. That's going to hold everything up. So we'll get them both fixed. So it's going to be a, an inconvenience, but it'll be a, a short-time sacrifice for a long-time gain. Now, my wife kids me all the time about using Southern phrases. That's just what I, the way I grew up. That's what I say. And she just, she's, she's learned now about after 27 years, most of them. But she still gets a little perturbed. So, I'm going to say something this morning that she gets irritated about, okay? We are fixing to begin a campaign to fix the roof. She says, you're not fixing to do anything. You're going to begin something or you're going to do something, but you're not fixing it. We are fixing to begin a campaign to fix the roof. So what we're asking is that until we get the roof paid off, $54,000, you put a little extra in your envelope on Sunday mornings or when you turn in your email or your online giving, whatever you do. This should be above your regular gift because we still have to pay him and her and her and all the other employees and pay everything that needs to be. We have obligations. So we need to keep that up. So on your check or your email or your online giving, just put a little note that says fix the roof. And that's what we're going to do. So once again, I'm asking each of you to reach out a little bit to help us fix the roof. May God continue to bless this church, and may God continue to bless the project to fix the roof. Thank you for listening to me this morning. Thank you, Don. I noticed Don's wife's not in this service, so he could be a little more brave. And uh, <laughs> She was in the first one. You're right. Uh, we, are, we are the oldest church, believe it or not, in Meridian. 1885, we came around. Uh, some of us feel like we're, we, we, we knew that bunch, 1885. Uh, we were about a mile and a half that way, and there was no town of Meridian yet. Uh, there was a, a five-mile school out there along Five Mile Creek. Uh, throws me off, Five Mile Creek, and we have Ten Mile Creek. So we have Five Mile Road and Ten Mile Road, and they're six miles apart. I don't get it, but that's, that's that. Um, so we were out there, uh, 1885, started a little uh, at the school, and then we built a church out there. And then 1890, they start building the town of Meridian. They started to plat this thing, and the church over here is like, well, well, we're a mile and a half outside of town. And so they, 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 they lifted it up, put it on a skid loader, and a horse drug it all the way into town here uh, so we uh, could be in town. If you know our property, maybe you didn't come in this way, but we have a little courtyard here. That's where the original church sat on this property. So they had the church with like 15 tall stairs to get in. Uh, they, didn't, they didn't care ADA regulations back then. Uh, and then they uh, discovered we need an educational link. And so they started a campaign. They're going to collect change. 
uh, just just pennies, nickels. That's that's what they had. This is Great Depression times. And they said, when we get enough change, we'll build the educational wing. Took 20 years. <laughs> but then they built the building, uh, the educational ring right behind the sanctuary. And that's that's that building right here uh, that we kind of connect here. You'll, if you walk outside these doors, you'll see stairs that go up and stairs that go down. Th- that used to be outside. And... Uh, that, that's uh, 1954, which, believe it or not, is 70 years old this year. That's our oldest building on this campus, and that's the roof that needs uh, repaired. When you walk up there, it's, you kind of just feel squishy. You feel like you're kind of... We put up Christmas lights, and we're like, all right, do we need harnesses? Or are we going to fall through? Um, so we appreciate that. This building came in 1974. They connected them, and then uh, they built the Family Life Center in 1994. So if you do your math, every 20 to 30 years, we do something big. And uh, we're, we're due. We're actually, we're due. Well, we'll figure something out. Awesome. Let, uh, I, I missed uh, offertory. Awesome. Let's receive the offertory with a little bit of music. The scriptures this morning are from Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, and Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 and 23. Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Go near to listen rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools who do not know that they do wrong. Do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. God is in heaven, and you are on earth, so let your words be few. And from Matthew, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side, while he dismissed the crowd. After he dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. May God bless the reading of his word. Well, this might sound a little surprising, but I am an introvert at heart. That's, that's who I am. I love people, don't get me wrong, but my modus operandi is for a, a quieter type of place. I'm not a fan of crowds. The mall at Christmas time, forget it, right? Nightclubs, not a chance. The DMV is right out, <laughs> although that might be a universal hatred. Football or, or baseball stadiums, I'll go because I like the sport, but man, I just hate being in just, just crowds of people being herded or, oh, just, 
it's, it's, just, it's just not me. Um, if, you, if you would say to me, Pastor Mike, tomorrow you get to go to Disneyland or you can mow your lawn, I would think about it. I would think about it. Although I do like the Haunted Mansion. But, but still, just, just crowds, 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 crowds. Uh, public speaking, I don't like it. Believe it or not. I, I, I had to figure out how to do this. Public speaking, I hide behind a, a, a pulpit or I hide behind this. I, st- I still have to, this is my line of security blanket right here. If I go like this, you know, uh, deer in the headlights, but oh, thank God. All right, I have this back. Okay. Now my wife, she is an extrovert, an extrovert of extroverts. She's a, a supervert, if you will. She didn't like that phrase at the first first service when uh, when I shared that supersized vert. I'm not supersized. Like, oh, I just mm. if we're in the car, if we're in the car, whoever's driving gets to pick the radio. That's that's our rule. And I don't like. There are times that I just want silence. I just I could sit in a car and drive with nothing for like hours, and that drives my wife crazy. And so so uh, so she says, "You got to talk to me." You got to talk to me while we're driving. And so, and so we make it work. Like most couples, we got to figure life out. She bore my children. She cooks. She cleans. She takes care of us. And I talk to her in the car, and it all evens out. Right? I could be a little more brave. She's not at the service. so The sermon's about solitude, which is exactly what I'll get if I keep bringing up my family in, in, in the service. Uh, we're looking at, for, this, for these months, January through Easter, we're looking at some of the Christian practices that people have, have, have done for, for centuries. And you might think of things like meditation, prayer, fasting, you know, all, all those churchy things. Uh, solitude. Solitude was on the list. It's a practice that we no longer practice in our world. We're, most of us, most of us are never alone. Or we always have to have something going. We always have to be listening to something. You can't sit. You just can't sit and be quiet for, for a while. I, I'll bring up a kid. He's not in the service yet. Uh, Dad, I have to go use the bathroom. Have you seen my phone? Like, why do you need your phone? Well, I'm going to the bathroom. Like, are you calling someone? He goes, no. But they, they, like, well, wash your hands. Just do something. Like, yeah. you just, we, we, we can't be bored for two minutes. Right? There are times in the Bible when Jesus tells us to specifically do something. When you fast, when you pray, when you love, go ye therefore into all the world. He tells us to specifically do things. And there's some things that are good for us that he, he doesn't expressly tell us to do, but just by following his example and the example of all the saints who have gone after, that it, it would be nice for us to do. And, and solitude is one of those things. So he role modeled this for us, Jesus did. We're fortunate that the Bible records a number of times when Jesus went away to pray, when he went away to find a, a solitary place. So that's what I'm going to hit on this morning. We're going to just share a few vignettes of when Jesus went away by himself, why he did that, and to see if it has anything to say to us today in 2024. 
I'll just hit on these real quick. First one, Jesus sought solitude to prepare for a major task. He sought solitude to prepare for a major task. We read that in Luke that after Jesus was baptized, he went out into the desert uh, and was tempted by, by, by the evil one there for, I can't remember, how many days? 40 days. He was out there for 40 days uh, just preparing uh, for his ministry. This is before he started his public ministry. He was baptized, went out in the wilderness, and you got to get your stuff together. you got to figure out what it is that you want to do. How are you going to do your ministry? You know, many times before the big game, uh, let's watch the Super Bowl a couple weeks back, go Chiefs, and they, uh, first service was a little more like 49ers. Like, all right. uh, I'm from the Midwest. i got to go for the Chiefs. I was going for the red team. That's what I was going for. I was going for the red team. But, uh, but many, they were showing players before the big game. And do you think all the players were just jumping up and down and high-fiving each other and just, no. They were, just had their own headphones or they were just, just getting ready. Just, just, it's coming. It's coming. And so everyone went to their own little corners of the locker room and they were just doing their pregame stuff. I remember right before I got married, uh, 20 whatever years ago, and uh, for about 15 minutes, I was, uh, the, 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 they left me alone in the groom's room, just, whew, here goes, here we go, here we go. Y'all left me alone, I could walk out of here, you left me alone. Um, just, to, just to get ready. Before a major surgery, don't they kick the family and friends out of the room so the patient can just have a few minutes of, you know, just a little bit of solitude, a little bit of, a little bit of centering time. Uh, Stephanie, my wife, she had her gallbladder taken out, uh, some stones taken out about five, six years ago. So I'm in her room, and they're about to take her back, and, and they say, you have to leave, sir. And I go, okay. Can, can her pastor stay? And, and, oh, yeah, the pastor can stay. Like, great, great. I'm also her pastor. She, That's cheating. It's cheating. You can't do that. All right. You need solitude before something big. Just breathe. Another time, Jesus looked for solitude after a period of hard work. After his teachings or, or healings or miracles. Uh, Jesus took time for himself. If you read the scriptures, a lot of times after these, these, these big showy signs and wonders, he goes away. He even told his disciples to take a day. Out of Mark chapter 6, Jesus sent them out two by two. If you know that story, he sent them out two by two. They did all sorts of ministry, and, and they came back, and they reported. And this is, uh, this is what they said. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going, that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. You need rest. Not right now, don't sleep during the sermon, but you need rest. You do need your alone time, downtime. Maybe it's up in the hills. Maybe it's over at the beach, wherever it might be. Maybe it's at home. Maybe, uh, uh, all right, see if you can finish this phrase. Calgon, take me away. You'll have to tell the younger people, what's Calgon and why are we going away? 
if Jesus, the Son of God, <laughs> and all that is holy needs to take a day, maybe we need to as well. Another place in Scripture, Matthew chapter 14, what, what Tom read for us today. Jesus, if, if you read what before, uh, the, the paragraph before uh, what Tom read, it goes like this. Jesus learned that his cousin, John the Baptist, had just been executed. King Herod was not a nice guy. The stakes were pretty high. And uh, we're going to read the passage that was right before it. This is what it says. On Herod's birthday, the daughter of Herodias, whom the king liked, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, danced in a provocative way, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, for the guests and pleaded and pleased Herod so much that he promised with an oath to give her whatever she asked. And prompted by her mother, she said, Give me here on a platter the head of John the Baptist. The king was distressed, but because of his oaths and his dinner guests, he ordered that her request be granted and had John beheaded in prison. His head was brought in on a platter and given to the girl who carried it to her mother. John's disciples came and took the body and buried it. And this is where uh, Tom picked up today. Then he went and told G. When they, they then they went and told Jesus. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Maybe he left because he figured he might be next. Time to get out of Dodge, right? But I believe he went away by himself because yes, even the Son of God grieves. There are times that you just need to cry alone. And there's times where you need the hugs and that kind of thing too. But there's a time to grieve. We've lost some of that along the way. Not too long ago, maybe in the memories of some of our folk, were, were the rules of grieving a little bit more lined out? Remember, you, you had to wear black for a certain number of days. The first six months were heavy mourning. The, the second six months was, was light mourning. Uh, I saw in a, in, a, in a Miss Manners book from 1930-something or other, 1930, uh, widows were not even allowed to go on a date for a year and a day after passing. A period of solitude is healing for the soul. I don't want to go back to those days, but I think we also missed the boat uh, on just not having a moment to, to know that life's going to be different. Another time that Jesus got up and left before making an important decision, before major decisions. Some of you have some major decisions to make. I'm looking out here. There's a couple of you that might have college in the future. Or what am I going to do after I graduate? Or, what, or, or, or am I going to keep in this job? I'm trying, to, trying to get some of the life stories out of uh, looking around. What's my life going to be different now that uh, we moved here? Before major decisions. Uh, Luke chapter 6, early in his ministry, Jesus spent the whole night alone in prayer. And after that whole night, the next day it says, the next day he chose his 12 disciples. It doesn't say what he was praying about, but I can imagine him like, Lord, show me the 12. Who are, who are the ones who should help me in this ministry? What about us? Do we, do we ponder it? The decisions that we have to make, do we mull them over? What do you say 
Or what do they say right before a major purchase? Before you buy a car or before something, something huge, you're supposed to sleep on it? Wait a day? Car dealerships love that. When you go in, like, oh, I love this car. I'm going to come back tomorrow. And they're like, oh, you're not coming back tomorrow. Like, honestly, my wife and I, if it's over, it's over 2000 bucks, we're going to sleep on it. Right? Some of us pick out houses quicker than we pick out a pair of clothes. Sleep on it. Sleep on it. Um, it's not a major decision, but I remember my last year at seminary, we had to, we had to do a 30-page dissertation. And if you, if you got it right, you passed. If you didn't get it right, you had to go back in, figure it out. Uh, I can't write this at home, at the table, with a TV right there, and a spouse right here, and, and I got to go away. So I rented a, a little place three hours away for about a week, a little retreat center, just to, just to punch it out and have solitary time. Pastor friend of mine goes off once a, once a year for a few days just to write out all the, all the sermon ideas and the sermon series that they're going to do for the year. You do it away. Some churches have retreats to help solidify their leadership and discern what does God want us to do. Now, in 26 years, I've never done that. Maybe something we should ponder sometime is to do a church retreat. Jesus needed to be clear to choose the right disciples. The faith might have been a little different if he would have just picked Larry and Daryl and his other brother, Daryl. It would have been different. Again, older folk had to tell people who Larry and Daryl and Daryl are. But he chose the right ones. Peter, James, John, right? Uh, last one. Jesus also chose solitude in a time of distress. Toward the end of his life, uh, matter of fact, hours before he was arrested, he went off to go pray. Lord, the disciples were all sleeping. Lord, if this cup could be passed from me, I, please pass it. But if it's thy will, thy will be done. I think we say that in a prayer. And he had a, he had a long Long moment of he and God, God and he. He spent that solitary time. He could have just kept on walking. The disciples are sleeping. I'm just going to go walk. I'm going to go walk over here and pray. And he could be in Galilee before they even wake up. Like he could just be gone. But he found strength in solitude. He found his purpose. Just when it was just him and God, God and him. The times that I am in distress and worrisome, I take, I take long walks. God, me and you, you and me, I, I don't know what to do about this. Help me out. Put someone in my life who could help show the way. I just got to say this. Being alone and being lonely are two different things. Some of you, you're like, Pastor Mike, I'm alone all the time. You don't need to tell me this. And I just got to get out and see people. That's different than what I'm talking about today. Uh, some of you are alone, some, some of you by choice, some, some by circumstance or, or widowed or that kind of thing. That, that's not what we're going for here. But when you're worrisome, when you're grieving, it's, when, when, you're, when you're going through major life things, every now and then it's just nice to pull, pull the car over and just breathe. Breathe. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Just to say, 
Many times in Jesus' ministry, he spent time alone in prayer, in solitude, in figuring things out, to cry, to refresh himself, to find purpose. Solitude is a spiritual discipline that reminds you of who you are and what you're called to be. This Lent I have, I have gone on those long walks. Um, I'm trying to get a thousand miles in again this year. I, there are times I listen to music. God bless the headphones. There's times I listen to podcasts, listen to other preachers who give better sermons so I can figure out what I'm doing. Um, or I just take them off and just enjoy the day. I see, and I just see the day move in the rhythm of, of, of life. Or if I'm walking in the evening because it's still getting dark at seven o'clock at night, uh, daylight savings time, two Sundays from now, word of warning. But, but the other night I was just, oh, the Orion. And I got to see Orion go from here to here. And, and the full moon. Did you see the full moon? Oh, beautiful full moon. Which also tells me that Easter is a month away. Because Easter is the first Sunday after the first full moon, after the first day of spring. So we're a month away from there. Right? If Jesus was called to moments and periods of solitude, maybe it would be good for us as well. And the family of God said, Amen. Take a moment and breathe. And if you're willing and able, let's stand and sing our final hymn together because of your love.
Worship team, God is good, and all the time. Uh, Thank you to all the music, and thank you to the people upstairs who make this happen, for the folk online, wherever you may be, God bless you, and for all of us here, may the Lord bless you, may the Lord keep you, may the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you, that as we celebrate in the second season of Lent, the second Sunday, May God's love, blessings, and peace go with you all. And the family of God said, amen.